45 years ago, we were meeting with a mission board about whether we were going out with them or not, and uh, they were making a decision that day, and then we met with another mission board, and we ended up making a decision, well, a little over 44 years ago in September of 1979, we went out to the mission field, and Fellowship Church, if I recall correctly, has been supporting us for 44 years. And we want to extend our gratitude first to God because he's Jehovah Jireh. He's our provider, but we, we thank God for you because he chooses to provide through his people. And uh, there's been a lot of changes here and there's been a lot of changes in our own lives over the years. And uh, one thing that I remember, and we, we were introduced to Fellowship Church through Denise's uncle and aunt, Ira and Ann Diller. And uh, some of you remember them, and there's many, many new faces here. You don't remember them, but... Uh, and then another thing I remember about Fellowship Church is your missions conferences. You had Don Richardson here one year which was incredible. I mean, the author of Peace Child, the missionary that writes books and everything, and your missions conference was geared in, in many ways to minister to the missionaries. And then you had someone else here, I think the man's name was Alfred Martin. Uh, some, I see a couple heads shaking, but most of you wouldn't know him, but the one thing that he did, and he gave some very powerful messages and he was saying as an evangelist who made his way around that he ran into so many full-time Christian workers who had never completely read through the Bible. Can you imagine that? He said pastors, youth leaders, Sunday school teachers had never completely read through the Bible. They had devotions. They had their daily uh, daily bread or they had something else that they did, but they... And that really challenged me because I had always been reading scripture, but I, I couldn't remember if I'd totally read through completely. And uh, because of his challenge, this year I'm beginning to read through for the 45th time for my own benefit. Now, that's not just to prepare messages for someone else. This is food, spiritual food, and we need it. We need it. I was just talking with Pastor Justin this morning. Uh, the daily bread is like a little vitamin, but it's not the meal. This is the meal. Okay, we have to really move. I've got two presentations back there. The first one is the thank you, and it's just kind of a report on missions. Now, I know these pictures are small. That is me on the left. Way back when, my parents were missionaries. They went to the mission field when I was six years old. They went to Haiti. My wife and I went out many years later. I think I was 27, and she was probably 24. And uh, we looked a little different back then. We went out with AMG International. And by the way, we're still with AMG International. And we went to Haiti, we got to meet Dr. Spiro Zodiati. Some of you have heard of him, some of you, you don't have a clue who this man is, but he used to do all his teaching from the Greek, Bible, the Greek New Testament. 
The verse that we chose, that I chose when we went out was this, 2 Timothy 2.2. The things which you have heard from me, Paul said as he's writing to Timothy, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Our goal has always been, wherever we've been, is to train national leadership to do the work of the ministry because they know their culture even much better than we do. We were in Haiti from 1979 to 1991, and I was training leadership. I was using theological education by extension at that time. I would take the Bibles, go out to the students. Sometime, this was a church building, and the roof was just barely above my head. Mud walls, but a group of men. And uh, some of them are ministering to this day. My wife worked in music. So we were in Haiti for 12 years, doing all sorts of things. This has a story behind it, but we don't have the time for the story other than that I was accused of being a werewolf, and that is a horrible accusation in Haiti. That meant I could lose my life. And we were encouraged to start a kids club out on the main highway so that people would see their kids weren't disappearing and weren't being eaten by the werewolf. We were in the Bahamas from 1992 to 1996, and I'll come back to that in a little bit. Then we were called to Guyana on loan from 1997 to 1998 to help in church planning ministries for missionaries who were leaving. If you know anything about Guyana, South America, not Ghana, Africa. Everywhere we've been, people have got it confused, but predominantly Hindu. And then there were also Islamic influence, and we ended up pastoring this little church, Fireish Bible Church, for a year. And my wife was again helping in music. That's one of our little girls. We have two daughters, and one of our daughters now has our first grandchild, uh, which is kind of interesting. We uh, baptized in the, in the trenches, the same trenches that at night you would go out and hunt alligators in. <laughs> um, so when you're doing baptism, you're just kind of aware of what's going on with your ankles. And <laughs> We were back for a few months a couple years ago, filling in again. Uh, but then again, it was the same thing, training leadership for the work of the ministry. All these young men were involved in pastoral training. Some of them were already pastors, and we, went, we had a chance to go through the book of Revelation with them at that time. Then we were called to Thailand, the other side of the world, from 1999 to 2014, and it involved ministry in the other countries that you see mentioned there. But again, it was training people for the work of the ministry. We were involved in a little Thai church, and our Thai pastor started a little Bible school right in the church, and the church never got bigger than about 50 people, but kept sending out people who were planning churches. We got to send out two girls that came to the church to China as missionaries. That was exciting. And that was also exciting way back when we were in the Bahamas. There was a couple from our church that ended up going to the Philippines for a spell as missionaries. Another ministry we had in, in Thailand was in the prison. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are thinking that they're not as bad as someone else. And in Thailand, you know, for someone to think of themselves as a sinner is very difficult to think of that. But when you're in prison, they're in there for a purpose and they realize they've been caught. I had to laugh one time when I asked a man, why are you in here? 
And I, I actually laughed in front of him. I felt bad about for stealing elephants. Where do you hide an elephant? In your back pocket? <laughs> I mean, an elephant takes 200 pounds of food a day. But even in prison, we, we started a memory program, and we had a couple prisoners learn 500 verses. It was kind of interesting. And uh, the doors opened. We were involved in camp ministry. Denise was involved in ladies' ministries. Um, one lady, and it's interesting, we were on a furlough, and I messed my finger up, and I had to go get an x-ray. And the x-ray tech says, what do you guys do? I said, well, we're missionaries in Thailand. Thailand! My girlfriend is in Thailand. And uh, they couldn't really communicate that well. But he says, when you go back, could you teach her English? Well, she was living in Bangkok, which was seven hours away from us. She had a beauty, beauty salon. But she closed that or left that to someone else, moved up to our area. And Denise started teaching her English. And long story short, she ends up marrying the guy from Pennsylvania. For the longest time, she said, I can't believe, I can't believe. But here they are reading their testimonies at a baptismal service in Pennsylvania, uh, baptized. And so that was, that's exciting. Because for a Buddhist to come to Christ is a long process. And, uh, you know, we tend to think you pray a prayer and everything. But it's a process that they have to work through. We also worked with business people. Uh, then we were ministry, uh, missionaries at large for a while. We made a big effort to not be large missionaries. You know, when you come back and people say, hey, another piece of pie. Um, but we had opportunities during that time, and Denise was helping to look after her mother, and then a sister got cancer, um, to go back and minister in these different places. And then the last three and a half years, up through June, of last year, we were working in the Bahamas. We had been working at a church as it was beginning back in the 90s, and then we felt, you know, this is so close to America. We're more called to developing nations. Somebody will probably come, and some people did come, and there was a pastor there actually for 12 years, and, and then he left, and they asked if we could give him some help, and then they asked if we could come back, and when we were deciding, we decided, okay, we'll go back, and then the hurricane hit and devastated. This is a little island that we worked on, Manowar Key, the one that you see basically on the left there. There's two islands, uh, quite beautiful. This is what the church became under the pastor who was there as far as a building. And we know that the building is not the church. It's just the place where people meet. There was a place, a little cottage there called Koinonia Cottage. There was a little golf cart donated by Chick-fil-A. Um, just meeting with the people. And then one thing that we got to start while we were there back in the 90s was missions conferences. And there's three churches on that little island of about 300 people. But everybody was coming. And we, when we first went to the Bahamas, we were working with a Haitian community. And I was doing Bible studies and helping there. But began missions conferences. Then the hurricane hit. This is before we went back. That's what paradise looked like. And it wasn't paradise, by the way. It wasn't paradise. Um, church building that you saw earlier, this is uh, with it boarded up a bit and fixed up a little bit. Um, things, this is after the back wall was put in on the church. 
Well, they didn't have their official service. We went in 20, uh, January of 2020, and we didn't have our first service in the church until March of last year. So working in the church building was used for storage. They called that Sam's Club, and then the Fellowship Hall. They had all this stuff that people could come and get. That was called Walmart. Um, uh, that, co- that cottage that we were talking about, it was just looked like a bomb had hit. They said it was one of the worst. Hurricane Dorian was the worst, one of the worst, worst hurricanes in recent history to make landfall anywhere in the world. 235 mile an hour winds. Uh, so, and since then, there's been many teams coming down. That's what the sanctuary looks like now. One thing that we're doing now, and we're moving to a part-time with the mission from full-time. We'll still be doing travel trips. I'm involved in translating Haitian Creole uh, materials into Haitian Creole. I've been working on this for seven years now. There's 10 books for the Biblical Training Center for pastors and Christian leaders that we've been working on. 2,600 pages. It's a lot of work. We're into book 10, but we skipped part of book 9 because it's a history of the Christian church with a lot of names of places and, and names of people that are hard to bring over into Creole. But we're involved in that and uh, training trips and member care. So we just want to thank you for your help. Now we want to get into the word. And if you have questions, you can ask us questions afterwards. The question that I want to ask this morning, and uh, you can put up, yeah, okay. Any of you, if any of you are familiar with Gary Larson, um, he can make me laugh. And I think he burned himself out with his creativity, and I think he's actually come back a bit, but he, he, he did this cartoon, how dinosaurs became extinct, and they're all standing around smoking cigarettes. Um, and I had a laugh when I saw that, but then the question then comes up, is the church in America going extinct? And I, as I look here, I'm saying no, but you know, for every two that open, three close in America. Uh, many, many churches don't have pastors, and uh, there are many, many challenges. And so my question is, are churches going the way of the dinosaur? And what is the future of the church in America? And the question that I asked this morning comes from Luke chapter 18, verses 1 to 8. When the Son of Man comes, Jesus is giving a parable here on prayer, and not to get discouraged in prayer. But when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? And I think that's a question we need to ask ourselves. Whenever we study Scripture, it's always asking us to do self evaluation in light of scripture. So I'll just go through this quickly. It says, now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. And I'm not going to read all of this, but it tells the story of a widow, and you can read it while I'm talking if you want, but a widow who comes to a lawyer asking for justice. And the lawyer had no respect for God or man or humans. And she kept coming, and after a while he says, even though I don't have respect for man, even though I don't have respect for God, 
I'm going to give her justice because she's just plain going to wear me out. And then Jesus says this, beginning in verse 6, And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now, will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. When it comes, it will come quickly. Now, sometimes we cry out, Lord, how long? You ever done that? How long? How long? I mean, we see that even in the book of Revelation where we see the souls kind of underneath the altar and they're saying, how long, Lord? Or you look at the Psalms, David, other psalmists would say, how long? And then Jesus says this, uh, I tell you that when you bring about justice for them quickly, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Now, I ask this question, why are we seeing churches shrink and close in America? And uh, I apologize, I never know how big the screen is going to be if I knew the screen was going to be this size. Maybe you all have razor eyes. Maybe your mother was scared by an eagle and you can see things <laughs> far away. But uh, why is it? And I think there are several reasons. One is the continual bombardment with godless propaganda. We are bombarded day in and day out with godless propaganda. Cultural Christians are leaving churches. What do I mean by cultural Christians? It used to be acceptable to go to church because that was the thing to do. You know, a respectable citizen goes to church. That doesn't mean they know Christ, it means they go to church. Who knows, they might make an Amway connection or whatever they're doing now. I don't know, do Amway even do that anymore? I don't know. Um, many liberal churches are no different than clubs. You go, you don't get the gospel, you don't get scripture. Knowledge is stressed over a relationship with Christ. And we have to be careful about that, don't we? You can have more and more knowledge. You can sit and argue all the fine points of doctrine but if you know all this, I heard Fidel Castro at one time knew the book of John by heart. Did that make him a godly man? Many websites, blogs, YouTube sites are violently opposed to scripture and its values. The new atheists are in your face about this kind of stuff. I could tell you about places that you could look, and I won't even mention them because they are wreaking havoc with people's belief. A number of prominent scholars, influential people and pastors are walking away from the faith. You see that? Do you ever hear that? You see that in the news sometimes? Musicians? We hear that? Sometimes methods have changed or haven't changed. And the next generation is saying, well, we just don't like that way of doing things. Well, we're not talking about the message changing. Personal pleasure has become paramount. I know in the Bahamas, that was a big problem. With the younger generation, Sunday was fun day. And so, better to go off in the boat and just have fun day than to come and meet with God's people to worship God. There's more reasons as well. Some churches have become very political and have con 
have conformed, or on the, on the other side, have conformed to political correctness influences. Uh, other churches become so inward focused, they don't look outward. Sin has been allowed to go unchecked in the church. I mean, you come to the book of Revelation and you look at the different churches and you look at the influence of allowing sin in a church and not dealing with it. Things get messy in every church. There are messy issues in every, because it's people. But we have the solution. But do we heed it? People prefer spiritual entertainment rather than sound doctrinal teaching. We see that as well. Um, pornography, that's a big one, is it not? Pornography desensitizes. Josh McDowell said, probably the biggest thing to be a hindrance that has hit the church since the time of the apostles is this very thing, wreaking havoc in people's lives. And, of course, people deceive themselves into thinking they can have a relationship with God without Christ. You see so many people, even big sports stars, I want to thank God for this. I want to thank God, 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 God. I mean, you hear people from every genre saying God, God. But what about Jesus? I like disc golf. If you've ever done disc golf, you throw a frisbee into chains far away, but uh, one of the guys that just won last year, Isaac Robinson, won his first big major thing. And the first thing he says, I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'm like, yes! You know, it's not like, yeah, I want to thank God, you know, for making me good. No, he, none of that stuff. None of that stuff. So when Christ returns, is he going to find faith? We have a lot working against us. And in this parable, Jesus' intention was to show that prayer and faith are inseparable. We want to thank you for your prayer. You've supported us financially, but more than that, we want to thank you for your prayer, for those of you who have prayed for us. I know that the ladies' prayer fellowship, or what, what? Prayed for us. Pray for us. You know, when somebody says, all we can do is pray for you. I was like, all you can do is pray for us? Prayer is important. Of course, it's always the direction and who you're praying to as well. I can remember a witch doctress visited us after our first daughter was born in Haiti, and she says, I'll be praying for her. I'm like, to whom? <laughs> you know, um, so what is scriptural faith? And I'm going to keep moving. I don't think I have time to read through all of this. I know that you can think faster than I can talk. But what is faith? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I kind of think of walking into the house and smelling fresh bread. You know, it's not a hope so. It's I know it's there. <laughs> and I have faith I'm going to have some of that unless my wife says, well, I made this for the people. <laughs> It's like, oh man, that's really nice, <laughs> you know. But uh, and then it goes on. By faith we understand, and it does take faith, does it not? I mean, when I'm 
when I am tempted to doubt, and I am tempted to doubt at times because my mind is so small I can't comprehend the greatness of God. You know, it's like uh, one thing I was wrestling with just recently as well. We don't know how old the world is. There's always, you know, there used to be 4004 BC at 9 a.m. according to the Schofield, old Schofield Bible. We don't know how old it all is. And that's really not the most important thing. God created it. And he created everything that's in it. But what did God do before all of that? And of course, you know, you hear, well, there was the communication among the Trinity, which I agree. But God's eternal. Not only forever that way, but forever back there too. What did he do in all that time? He hasn't revealed that to us, has he? We need to be concerned with the things he has revealed. So faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Uh, more passages. Um, faith is necessary, is it not? Faith is something that's fleshed out. It's not just, I've got faith. Um, whatsoever is not from faith is sin. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written. But the righteous person shall live by faith. That's mentioned in Habakkuk. That's mentioned in Galatians. That's mentioned in Hebrews. The righteous will live by faith. We walk by faith. Now let me ask you a question. Are we saved by faith? Ah, no. We're saved how? Through faith, by grace, through faith. Because if we put, I'm saved because of my faith, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're saved by the grace of God through faith. Faith is the channel through which God gives, grants us salvation. And, uh, and then it talks about the faith, the faith, the body of truth that we have, the faith. Faith in the end times, but the Spirit explicitly says that in later times, some will fall away from the faith, the body of truth. Paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with the branding iron. We don't want to become seared in our consciences. Calluses on our hands are good if we work hard. But calluses on our heart and in our minds to the things of God are not good. We want a tender heart. We want an open mind to the things of God. We're to continue things that are firmly established. So why is it that people are falling away? I mean, I gave you the reasons as why that could be happening, but uh, ultimately this is the biggest one. This is the biggest one because they've never had a real relationship with the resurrected Christ. I believe that. Scripture tells us that there will be apostasy in the last days. If you truly know Christ intimately as your Lord and your Savior, how can you deny him and walk away? 
If you've experienced that the Lord is good all the time, I'm not saying you might not have doubts, you might not have challenges. How can you walk away? How can I deny my wife that I've been married to 46 years and say, oh, I don't know her. Never had a relationship with her. It was all a sham. I can't do that. And for some reason, people filter in and filter out that I believe have never truly had a... They've become culturally Christians. They've become part of it. It was nice for a while. But then they walk away because they haven't truly known Christ. Maybe they were caught up in an emotional experience that faded away. Maybe they've accumulated, accumulated lots of knowledge. Uh, Going to church, the whole thing, but they never knew Christ personally. And then we see this. Uh, they may have been depending on their own ability and works to get and remain saved. Pastor Justin just mentioned that this morning. I was just uh, reading a couple weeks ago. There are 4,200 religions, sects, cults, persuasions out there, but only one. Only one what is not self-effort. Now, obviously, we're saved to do good works, but our good works don't save us. And by grace, you are saved through faith, not of works, but it's the gift of God. So when Christ returns, will he find faith? True faith perseveres. Do you agree with that? True faith keeps going on. Doesn't mean there aren't things that come and rattle you. Do, do we understand that everything God do we understand everything that God brings into our lives? I sure don't. Does that mean if I don't understand it, I can't trust Him? Not at all. Not at all. He knows everything. He's omniscient. I am not omniscient. So, in the last days, difficult times will come, and there's a big list. And by the way, if you look at that list closely, everything is happening now. Every last one of them is happening now. Look at verse 5. Holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, avoid such men or humans, you want to be politically correct, um, as these, always learning but never being able to come to the knowledge of the truth. We don't want to be in that category, do we? We see all these things happening. Now, should we pray that these things don't happen? I mean, sometimes, do you think we might pray against the will of God? God's word tells us what's coming. It's going to get worse until Christ comes. We want it to get better, don't we? But... It's obvious, persecution is coming. It's here. And I think we, we, we need to be careful in America. I definitely believe in the rapture. But we need to be careful that we don't put so much emphasis on the comfort of us not being persecuted 
because we're taken out. Persecution is coming. Persecution is probably worse now in other parts of the world, maybe than who knows, and how much of history. People are, you know, look what happened in Nigeria and places like that on Christmas Day. People massacred, and yet we want it comfortable. I think one of our gods in America is comfort. So what's the remedy? Despair and gloom, right? Oh my, it's just the way it is. <sighs> no, no. Nothing less than true repentance and revival. Now, it's interesting, down south they hold a week of revivals. Uh, kind of, I understand what, they're, what they mean by it, but a week of revivals? I mean, can we do some cheerleading here to get everybody hyped up for a week? You know, it's true revival always, I think, begins with a deep moving of spirit of prayer, and then God working in our hearts first, rather than saying, revive them, Lord, revive them. Lord, we need revive. It's like it begins with us, and it begins with repentance. Do you realize you can't come to Christ without repentance? John the Baptist said, repent and be baptized. Jesus said, repent. Repent. Agree with God that what you're doing is wrong. There needs to be a change of mind, and then Confession, Isaiah 55, 6 and 7 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man, person, his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord and he will have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. God desires that people come to repentance. What is the remedy? Remaining faithful to the end of life until Christ's return. So when Christ returns, will he find faith in you, in me? I mean, we, we see when we look at the, the prophetic passages in Matthew, like Matthew 24 and 25, uh, you know, many people's faith or what was considered faith, will go cold. So my encouragement to you here at Fellowship Church is uh, let's not go the way of the dinosaur. Um, our desire is that the church endures here, that it endures in the Bahamas, that it endures in Guyana, that it endures in Thailand, that it endures in Haiti, that it endures around the world. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The gates of hell are working hard. But friends, greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. Should I pray? Let's pray. Father, we can't look at your word and not be challenged unless our consciences have been seared. 
And Lord, our desire is that our consciences are not seared and that our hearts are not calloused. Our desire is that we walk by faith. We thank you that we have a Redeemer, that we have a Savior, that we have a Lord. Lord, I thank you for Fellowship Church. I thank you for Pastor Justin. I thank you for the way that you are working here. And Lord, Lord, please help us as brothers and sisters in the Lord to truly value one another and to encourage one another in the faith the body of truth, and to walk by faith. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.